Well, without a doubt, one of the uh, enduring memories I have of my teenage years is trying to play basketball like Michael Jordan. And there were a lot of similarities. I've, why is that funny to you? That, um, no, uh, actually there weren't very many similarities at all. But uh, I think everybody in my generation was trying to play basketball like Michael Jordan. And one of the most enduring ads of all time actually was the 1992 Gatorade campaign with Michael Jordan that was entitled Be Like Mike. And I know many of you remember that. It had this awesome song to it. Sometimes I dream that he is me, right? And if you just drink a little bit of Gatorade, that can happen. No, not really, but uh, there was this incredible campaign, marketing campaign by Gatorade, 1992, Be Like Mike. And man, like that phrase caught on and it's still a thing. Like they're still remaking that commercial. It's still uh, an enduring part of uh, what happened with his career. We remember that commercial and that campaign. And, and I, I just remember like uh, being a teenager during that time, like everybody was trying to be like Mike. And I don't know if y'all remember this, if you were playing ball at the time or watching high school basketball at the time, but like, do you remember, like I remember this, all of my friends like trying to make layups with their tongue hanging out of their mouth. You know what I mean? And everybody was trying to jump from the free throw line. And he's dunking from the free throw line. And like, I can't jump from the free throw line anywhere near the rim. Like, I mean, I'm jumping like three feet, you know? And I'm like, how do you go from there to there? And doesn't matter, I'm gonna be like Mike. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm at least gonna look like Mike for the three seconds that I'm in the air. No, I'm not in the air, three seconds. Okay, so, like that was a thing. And I remember everybody like tongue hanging out and everybody doing, it, like, like the impact of that, we all were trying to emulate Mike, right? Like he was the great, and by the way, he is the greatest basketball player of all time. I mean, I just wanna go ahead and throw that out there. Like those of you who are LeBron James fans, right? Okay, I'm just saying, that just tells me you're young and dumb. That's all that tells me, okay? All right, MJ is the GOAT. Okay, let's just clear that up. But uh, it, it was crazy. Okay, so, so, so there is something to that that speaks to human nature. Let, like, I think the phrase goes like this, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, right? Y'all have heard that? And there is just something in human nature. Like, when we observe something that, that we are striving for in someone else, like, that can motivate us. We can try to emulate that. And that's why someone said years ago, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And, and there's just something to human nature where we try to, and even at times, we naturally emulate those who are in close proximity to us that we look up to. Um, that's why like children have at times like the same mannerisms as their parents. <laughs> I saw something recently like identical twins, for example, have like an insane number of uh, similarities in terms of just general mannerisms and, and things in everyday life. So, so we naturally emulate the people that we look up to, the people that we're in close proximity to, and, and that's, that, that's very, very true. Now, we don't often think of that in our society for this reason. We, are, we live in a very individualistic society. Now, that's unique. You have to understand, Western society is unique in terms of the history of the world in this respect. Most cultures historically are not individualistic. 
they assume an identity based on family and community. We are very unique in the fact that we are kind of like stand on our own two feet, very individualistic, and, and that's why, like, I don't know if you've noticed this as a parent, maybe, like, there are so many kids' movies where the parents are dumb and the kids are smart. You know, and it's like, we, we kind of have this vibe, like, in our culture, like, you can stand on your own two feet, you can be your own person, it doesn't matter who's giving you guidance or wisdom, they may not know what's best for you, and you just kind of stand on your own and do it. Well, that's very unique in terms of the history of the world. So, so we kind of have these things true of us from a human nature perspective that we emulate those we're in close proximity to and those we look up to, but then we all try to stand on our own two feet, we're very individualistic, right, and, 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 and we wanna do things our own way and carve out our own path. So, so there's kind of two forces working at the same time. And I think just in terms of our culture, we typically don't think enough about the importance of those we're imitating or those that we wanna imitate. Right, those that we want to reflect, but, but that's a very, very real thing. And, and here's where it comes into play, okay? We need people around us. We need friends. We need family. We need people who are around us in close proximity to us who don't necessarily help us make layups like Michael Jordan, <laughs> but show us what it's like to walk through a season of cancer in a way that honors the Lord and displays godly hope. Like we need, we need people in our lives like that. We need people in our lives that we can look to who are models for us and in, means of encouragement to us who, who, who are able to, to navigate well like a season where they're looking for a job or a season where there's a difficulty in marriage or a season where um, you know, they're having trouble with their kids, which for my wife and I was only a span of 20 years. <laughs> because you'll have trouble with your kids from the moment they're born until, well, I don't know, the trouble's still ongoing in my house. How about you, right? No, I mean, here, here's what I'm saying. Like, like, on the one hand, we live in a very individualistic society and we all kind of want to stand on our own two feet and you know, we have a lot of pressure on us about what it looks like to just forge your own path, right? And even a little bit of a rebellious spirit when it comes to a lot of our media and entertainment options today that, you know, your parents don't know what's best and all this. So we kind of have that. But then here's the bottom line in terms of how you and I are wired, though. We are going to emulate someone. Like, you can't help but to reflect the people who are close to you or the people that you look up to. And today, those people can take various forms. It might be someone on social media. It might be someone that you're watching regularly on a podcast. You know, it, it actually takes various forms today. But, but there's like these two dynamics working against each other. And, and so I just want to remind you today, though, that, that here's the thing. All of us need meaningful friends and relationships. All of us need people that we can imitate in our lives. We need people that we can observe and learn from in all of these difficult situations and seasons of life. There is nothing more powerful than a good example. And I think that's lost on a lot of people today, right? So imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but let me give you a key takeaway today I wanna to show you from Philippians, okay? Imitation is also a necessary component of maturity. This is the part where I just don't think we, we contemplate it enough. You know, like, like, like imitation is, is 
also a necessary component of maturity. We need people in our lives, again, that we can emulate, that we can learn from, that, that we can be encouraged by. Like, like their example kind of ringing in our ears when we go through something similar and we see that they navigated it well and they navigated it with hope and they navigated it with confidence and they navigated it with joy. And like we need those people in our lives who encourage us, who, who motivate us to, to live life well. Because listen, none of us can do it on our own. <laughs> and, 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 and we're look, looking at Philippians, this incredible letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to some believers in Philippi, which was a Roman province in modern day Greece, okay? And, and I wanna show you today, we're gonna be in the end of chapter three, like Paul really is gonna talk about the, the importance of having people in close proximity to you who are an encouragement to you. Man, this is huge, okay? Let me take you back to verse 10. Okay, pick up a couple verses from last week. You get the context into what we're gonna look at this week, okay? Here's, here's what he says. My goal, if you were here last week, you'll remember this. My goal is to know him, to Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And then look at this. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, he says, I do not consider myself having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. Notice this is his concern here. Y'all need to think this way. This is, this is maturity, right? And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In other words, if you wanna go a different path, you are dumb, and <laughs> because the Lord is gracious, he'll reveal it to you, okay? Paul's like, I prefer you not to go through the school of hard knocks, so just think this way, okay? And then look at verse 16. He says, in any case, we need to live up to whatever truth we have attained. And now here's the key. These are, there are two imperatives in this section. Here, it, here they are, right here in verse 17. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and be, pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and I now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you see his heart here? Don't be influenced by those people. Don't live in close proximity to those people. Don't invite those people into your inner circle of friendship. Right, he says in verse 19, because their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They're focused on earthly things. Paul's saying, why would you welcome into your inner circle of friendship, right, people who don't share your spiritual values, people who don't share your eternal destination, people who are living for temporal earthly things, not eternal things. Paul's like, you need to be very, very careful. Like, imitate me. Imitate those who share these values. Don't be enamored by these people, even though they may be wealthy, or they may be powerful, they may be beautiful, or they may be influential. Don't pay any attention to these people. Don't bring them into your inner circle because their end is destruction. But he says this in verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Now here's Paul's concern for you and me, okay? 
His concern for you and me is that, that we imitate people and we are in close proximity with people who can help us value the things that are most important. He's talking about the importance of imitating people and being in close proximity to people who can help you in your walk with Christ, who can help you value eternal things, who can help you navigate the difficult seasons and circumstances that all of us are gonna face. Paul's like, listen, you got two options. You can value, be in close proximity to, lean into people whose end is destruction, whose God is their stomach, their own lustful indulgences, who, people who have no concept of eternity, no hope beyond the grave, or you can lean into people and welcome people into your life and your inner circle who know the Lord, love the Lord, who have eternal values, whose citizenship like yours is in heaven and who are trying to navigate earth in such a way that Jesus is invited into their situation and glorified in every circumstance. See, Paul's talking about something we don't talk a lot about. He's talking about the power of friendship, the power of relationship, the power of imitation, because we will all naturally imitate those who are in close proximity to us. We'll naturally imitate those that we look up to and admire. It just happens, right? Like going back to parenting, like it actually happens in ways with your children that sometimes you're not excited about. <laughs> if you've ever had a child say or do something that you know, they picked up from you that you're like, wait a minute, nope, that's, nope, we don't do that in public. Say that in public, right? Like, mommy and daddy kind of made a mistake there and whatever and, you know. So we just naturally imitate those that we admire, those we look up to, those we're in close proximity to. And Paul's like, listen, you've got to be very careful about who you allow into that inner circle of influence, okay? Here's what he says in the Corinthian correspondence. Very, very similar. Just notice the similarities here. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And then he says this, Come to your senses and stop sinning, for some people are ignorant about God. And I say this to your shame. The Corinthians were like, like in close proximity to, to all of these people who were like enemies of the gospel, right? But they were influential or whatever. And, 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 and they're trying to like, promulgate the grace of God. Look, we can be friends with everybody. And listen, we should never be ugly to anybody, obviously, but like in terms of our inner circles here, Paul's like, why would you ever closely associate with these people who don't know the Lord, love the Lord, they're not trying to advance the mission of the Lord, they don't share heaven with you, they don't share the hope that you have, and they're living in essence for themselves, and you're trying to pride yourself somehow that you're gracious by being friends with them, but yet you're trying to benefit from them because they're wealthy or powerful or beautiful or whatever. And he's like, don't you understand bad company corrupts good character? Like, like, like these people, if they're not interested in the gospel, they're not gonna be influenced by you. But you will be influenced by them. And it's a similar refrain with the Philippians. He's, um, he's saying, listen, you're gonna go through hard times. You're gonna have different influences kind of trying to creep into your mind. You're gonna have a lot of Be Like Mike campaigns in your life, right? You gotta be very, very careful and discerning about who is influencing you. Again, today, it doesn't just happen with interpersonal relationships. It happens through podcasts, through who our kids are watching regularly on YouTube or what social media influences we're following and and leaning into. There's just so many avenues today. We're gonna to be very, very careful. Where are our minds going? Who do we value? Who do we admire? Who are we in close proximity to? You know, for some of us, it's like people that we work with and leaning into a group that, man, we know it's not good for us. They don't share our values, right? And 
in a working relationship is different than a close friendship. We've gotta be discerning. Can I just say something to you as parents today? Those of you who are parents or you will be parents, listen to me very, very carefully. This is one of the most underrated aspects of parenting, but it's very, very important. If you're a parent today or you plan to be in the future, you better guard very, very carefully who your kids' friends are. I'm just telling you. When I speak to college students, one of the things I talk to them about on a regular basis is who their friends are. And there have been more Christ-following college students going into their freshman year who get derailed in their faith because of bad friendships than any other reason. And so my kids aren't in the service, so I can say this. I'll just hope they don't watch the podcast after. Um, Man, a lot of times we just say no. If we don't know the friend and we don't know the parents and we don't know the situation, the answer is no. And sometimes my kids are like, you are the worst parents in the history of the world. And I say this to my children all the time. I'll tell you what. When you have a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old of your own and they're asking you to go sleep over someone's house and you have no idea where they're going or who they're staying with, then come back to me and talk to me about me being the worst parent on earth. Because you can make whatever decision you want to make for your kids, right? And I may enact the power and privilege of grandparenting at that point. But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure knowing you as I do as my son or daughter, you're going to reach the same conclusion I've reached. So, so here's what I'm saying. We don't think enough about who's influencing us, who we're leaning into, who's in close proximity to us. It's a group we work with, friends that we work with, people in our community. Maybe it's people we went to high school with. Maybe it's, it's influences through social or through podcasts or whatever the case may be. And here's what Paul's saying. This is, man, it's just so important. He's like, listen, you need to imitate me. Not pridefully, of course. He's just saying the example of me and others in your life who are walking for the Lord and living for the Lord and have the perspective that's eternal, not temporal. We're not living for ourselves. We're trying to advance the gospel. We're trying to encourage other folks. And, and Paul's like, man, these are the examples you need in your life because bad character and bad company corrupts even the very best of us. And so I want to give you here just quickly a couple, a couple takeaways on how then you can follow Paul's example. I'm going to show you some things he highlights here in, in living a life that leads to maturity and growth, okay? Because there's some keys here I think Paul gives us that unlocks a pathway to maturity. It's very, very encouraging, okay? So write this down. First of all, here, here's Paul's example. Number one, you need to leave the past in the past. Say, so what, what was one aspect of Paul's example that he's highlighting here? Well, first of all, the fact that we need to leave the past in the past. Do you notice there, Paul says, I love this. He, well, first of all, he says, you know, I've not even reached the goal of being perfected yet. I'm still on this journey with you. I love the fact that probably the most gifted, talented, influential Christ follower of the first century says, in essence, hey, y'all, I haven't arrived yet. Isn't that encouraging? And if you're ever discouraged because you haven't arrived yet, I just want you to know you're in very, very good company. Because even Paul was like, man, my goal is to attain the resurrection from the dead. My goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings so I might attain this resurrection one day. But I'm, he's like, in essence, he said, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> but he says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue the heavenly goal. Paul understood the importance of leaving the past in the past. 
Now, let me break this down for you, because I know innately you're gonna think, well, those are bad things. No, 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 let me start with the good things. You know, sometimes we're tripped up by even the good things that are in our past, and we think it's never gonna be that good again, or why can't I be that good again, or, right? I mean, sometimes it's the good things that hinder us. It's what I call the Uncle Rico syndrome. For those of you who are fans of the movie Napoleon Dynamite, yes, you're welcome, one of the greatest movies in the history of mankind. Okay, so... It's the Uncle Rico syndrome, right? It's like, man, back in 82, and he couldn't get past the fact that if he had just been the starting quarterback of his high school football team, he would have made it big, right? And, and like some people get hung up on even good things. You know, they look back like, oh man, it'll never be like that again or whatever. And so if, it could be something that's good even. And you're bemoaning the fact that the good is not a present reality for you in the same way that it was in the past, okay? I'm like that every time I play basketball now because listen, the shot never leaves you, but the conditioning does. And I'm like, man, if I could just stand in one spot and shoot, I would be all NBA. But literally, like, here's what our team does now. Our staff, we have a lot of basketball players on our team, and uh, we just play slow break. <laughs> hey, get a rebound. Stop running. That's what we say. Stop running. Walk the ball up the court. Just in case you know, we got walkers and crutches and like, okay. And, uh, man, I look back, I'm like, man, you know, like, man to be 25 again, right? And to be 6'8", 225, with a 40-inch vertical, you know what I'm, Sometimes it's a good thing, it's like, man, you know, it's never gonna be like that again. Or some people have it like, actually like, have you ever known someone like this? Like, the older they get, the better they were. <laughs> some of you if, you, if you're married to that person, would you just point them out today so I could, all right, this is about, man, let me tell you something, baby. In high school, man, I was awesome. Well, let me tell you something. I got, I got one better than that. Listen, I once played for a t-ball team that won a tournament. How about that? Man, I got a t-ball trophy in my garage. Okay, so, so listen, when we think of forgetting the past, okay, and not being stuck in the past, it may, not just, it may not be a bad thing. It may be like you just feel like things are never gonna be what they used to be, but it can hinder you. And then, of course, it can be some negative things. Maybe something that happened to you. Maybe something that you were a part of. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, man, imitate me. I think this is one of the, one of the aspects we do that. You gotta leave the past in the past. And lean in here to Paul's example because he was a very, very, very bad dude. He presided over the deaths of Christians. He was complicit in murder. He persecuted the church of God. In one place, when he gave his own personal testimony, he said this, because I so heavily persecuted the church, I am the least of the apostles. And if there was anyone who had any reason to feel ashamed about his ministry, it was Paul, because no one had the rap sheet that he had. But he said this, I wanna know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I have, I'm not there yet, but I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm reaching forward to what is ahead. You wanna grow in your faith, you gotta leave the past in the past. In fact, it was Paul who said this in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he, he experienced this, by the way. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. And so I have a good word for you today. Listen to me. Listen, in Christ, there is a better path forward, okay? Because here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5. Jesus didn't come to take you as like a bad person to make you a good person. He came to meet you where you are as a dead person to make you alive. 
right? And that's exactly what he's done in, 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 by his grace. Like this is more powerful than you were bad, Jesus made you good. No, you were dead, he's given you life. And Paul's like, therefore in Christ, I am a new creation. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. Listen, I have good news for you today. The, 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 the Lord does not see your past when he looks at you. The Father sees only the righteousness of Jesus applied to your life. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't, and by the way, he doesn't see the mistakes of your future either. See, the new has come, the old is gone, and Paul says, here's what I've learned. Man, I'm not there yet, but one thing I do, I'm forgetting what is in the past. I'm leaving the past in the past, and for some of you, you need to hear this word today. Your past needs to die in order for you to live. The past is in the past. Your history is not your destiny. Jesus is your destiny. And he came to give you life, and he came to make all things new, and no one knew that better than Paul. With his rap sheet and all the horrific things that he had done, and here he stands now in a sense, right, writing to the Philippians, and he's like, imitate me, follow my example, and the example of others like, like me here. In, in, in this way, first of all, just you gotta leave the past in the past. Your past doesn't define you. Jesus defines you, right? So that's the first. Okay, secondly, here's the here's second aspect of his example. Then you have to move forward towards your promised prize. And I love this. Paul says, okay, forgetting what is behind, and then he says, reaching forward to what is ahead. Here, here he says this in, in verse 14. I pursue as my goal the promised prize of God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's like, man, I'm running after a prize. That's the goal of my life. And there's nothing wrong with having like impactful goals for your life and family, right? To retire well and to take care of your family and hopefully to make a difference here as best you can. But can I just encourage you with this? The underwriting goal of your life, the foundational goal of your life and the eternal goal of your life ought to be to live well in the sense that you're moving toward that promised prize that Jesus has for you. Like for Paul, that was everything, right? It's not that he wasn't working hard. I mean, he, he says, like, he's written to the Philippians about this, even in prison. Like, hey, I'm, I'm doing everything I can here. Even the Praetorian Guard, like, they're, they're hearing about Jesus. I'm, and so whether I, I live, it's in Christ. If I die, it's gain. If I, if I, if, if I live, it's gonna be fruitful service. I'm gonna keep on going. But he says, but my ultimate goal is this prize. I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm moving forward toward this goal. That is what motivates me. And, and listen, that's what motivates the mature, not something of a temporal nature, right? Not, not something that's of an eternal, uh, uh, a temporal, earthly nature. Something that's eternal. Like, that's our goal. Like, 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 like to, to get to the place where we hear those words from Jesus, well done. That day is coming. And, and Paul's like, I'm not there yet, but, but, but this is what I do. I'm forgetting what's behind, good or bad, and I'm pressing on because there's a goal that I have that, that I'm gonna get this prize from Jesus himself. He talks about this actually in 2 Timothy 4, which is a part of like, our theme for this series with the crown and the painting and all this, like just how the Lord weaves in brush strokes into our lives, but he's ultimately moving us towards something great. Here's what Paul says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is close. He's writing this toward the very end of his life to Timothy and he says this, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. So he says, and look at this, there is therefore reserved for me the crown of righteousness 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all of us who have loved his appearing. Paul's like, man, this is my goal. See how these things line up. Philippians, when he writes to Timothy, he's like, man, this is my goal. There's a crown coming. Can you believe this? That the Lord who saved us, who took us from death to life, who fills us with his spirit, who gives us meaning and purpose in this life, one day when he returns, right, and he judges the righteous and the wicked, like he's gonna say to his brothers and sisters and his sons and daughters, like like he's gonna say, well done, and he has a reward for us? Paul's like, your life matters. So associate with people who share your spiritual values. Associate, be in proximity with people who share your eternal perspective. Because bad company corrupts good character and we're all gonna imitate somebody, but we need people in our lives of proximity and influence who help us to live well, to suffer well, right? To make a difference. And Paul's like, man, I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm reaching forward to what is ahead because there is a prize promised to everyone who knows and loves Jesus. And I just wanna remind you something. I said last week that the Christian life is a battleground. It's not a playground. Man, you gotta strain forward. You gotta press ahead. There are gonna be days you're tired, weary, frustrated, discouraged, weary. Paul says, I press on. Do you notice here? Not I moonwalk on. The Greek word is not moonwalk. No one moonwalks through the Christian life. You gotta press on. You gotta move ahead. You've gotta suffer well. You've got to long for Jesus to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You say, what's one thing that can encourage me in that? I'll tell you, other people who have and are doing it well. And in those days you feel like, man, I can't press forward. Hopefully you have some people in your life that you're leaning into or leaning into you and you say, man, but you know what? But they went through a season that was even worse than the season I'm going through and they did and if they did it, I know I can do it by the grace of God. And, and those, man, those imitating influences are so important. Paul's like, okay, so you gotta leave the past in the past, right? You gotta press forward toward your promised prize. And then lastly, here's the last thing I think he helps us with in terms of maturing and growing and imitating. We live as citizens of heaven. You know, he's like, man, your citizenship is not in Philippi anymore. Your citizenship is actually in heaven. And so let me just take you back there at the end of um, chapter three. He, he, he says four, right? Did you notice that our citizenship, your citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for a savior from there. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Now I know what you're thinking. Pastor, when I look at you, I, that looks to me like a glorified body. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, listen, I've been wearing skinny jeans since I was five years old, okay? I mean, let me just tell you something. When, when you graduate high school, you're like 6'1", 115, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't get college scholarships to anything, okay? You're just doing the very best you can. And... Um, of course, Paul here is leaning into the fact that, I mean, even our bodies remind us as we age that this world is, this is not permanent. <laughs> but he says, I have a good word for you. At the return of Christ, 
after you get your promised prize, you also get a glorified body that resembles his, and you will never die again, you will never suffer again, and you will live forever with him. And Paul's like, man, you know, you get all that because you are a citizen of heaven. And he says, therefore, we, we long for Jesus to come back. See, if, maybe if it's your first week, let me just remind you quickly here, like, like Philippi as a, as, a, um, as a Roman colony was, was at some point in time, of course, controlled by the Roman leaders through some type of civil war. This, this spread all throughout the Roman Empire and eventually it spilled over into Greece and, and Philippi was conquered, okay, by Rome and then the way the Romans did it is they left a lot of their best leaders and soldiers in the places that were occupied for one thing that prevented them from going back to Rome, highly skilled and trained and it kind of, you know, at least stayed the potential for a, for a coup, all right? And so, so Philippi settled and established. They've got leaders and soldiers there, and it was one of the places across the Roman Empire that could grant Roman citizenship. So this was like a pressing thing, but here's the way it worked, okay? I just, listen, you have to understand this. The, Paul's not saying that, like, our citizenship is in heaven and we're going to heaven. That's not what he says. He, he says our citizenship is in heaven, but we're waiting our Savior because our, listen, here, here's the message of the New Testament. It's not that we're on earth waiting to live forever in heaven. It's that we're on earth and we're waiting for Jesus to come and bring heaven to earth. A new heavens and a new earth. This is all gonna be remade and it's gonna go back to what it used to be, which is a glorified Eden where we get to relate to God face to face without the presence of sin. It's not that, that it's, it's, listen, this is not we're just here on a passport, but we're going back home. No, no, no. This is, we are right now, okay, in the place where Jesus is gonna come and establish our future home. So here's what Paul's saying. Live right now in this strange place as a citizen of heaven. That's really where your citizenship lies, not in Rome. Because the Romans say, Caesar Curios, Caesar is Lord, but we know better there's only one Lord, Jesus is Lord, right? And so he's like, you need to live now, not as a citizen of Rome, as a citizen of heaven, meaning that, that, that you need to now, as an agent of grace, live in your community in such a way that you're impacting the world for Jesus and it emulates what's gonna happen when Jesus comes back. This is not keep your head in the clouds, and long for a better day. This is as a, as, a, as a citizen of heaven right now where you are. Embody the values of heaven right where you live. Because the citizens of Rome in Philippi embodied not the values of Philippi, they embodied the values of Rome. Are you with me? Paul's saying... This ain't about trying to escape and get somewhere else. This is, man, this is how the mature think. This is right now, my citizenship is in heaven. Jesus is about to bring heaven to earth. And so until that day, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna value my heavenly citizenship more than my American or earthly citizenship. And while I don't wanna have to move to Minnesota, I love Tampa. Okay, but right, okay, but wherever the Lord puts me, right, here's what he's saying. You carry the values of heaven where your citizenship lies right here where you live. And he says, and we await. We await the return of our Savior. He's coming. And so, until that day, when either he comes back, right, or he calls us home and then brings us back, okay, that's what the scripture teaches, by the way. 
Here's the hope that you and I have. This world is not the end. These broken bodies are not the end. This uh, messed up culture is not the end. No, he's like, man, there's, there's a greater day coming and Jesus is bringing it with him when he returns. And he says, you might, if you remember in chapter two, and when he returns, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on heaven and on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so live now as a citizen of your future heaven and embrace the values now that are gonna be true of you there because that's your citizenship. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you gotta know Jesus as Savior. If you're here today, you're watching us online today, you don't know Jesus as Savior, you don't have a personal relationship with God, today I wanna invite you to consider that. To speak with me, a member of our team, as you leave today, to text Bell Shoals to 77411. Listen, you can't live as a citizen of heaven if you're not going to heaven. You need to know Jesus, and, and Jesus has done all that's required for you to have a personal relationship with him, to have your sin forgiven, to leave it in the past, and to move toward a better future. And if you're a Christ follower already today, let me give you one key takeaway, all right? You need to surround yourself with people who are moving toward the same heaven as you. And I wanna encourage you, if you're not in a life group, Get in a life group. If you're not in a D group, consider a D group. If you're not serving, serve. If you've never gone on a mission trip, go on a mission trip. You're gonna go on a mission trip with some people who have the same eternal values as you. Now, some of them might be a little weird. That's okay. Jesus saves weird people, amen? Did anybody come to church today with a weird person? They're glad Jesus saved? Would you just, okay, right. Okay, this wasn't like a confession time. Okay, but I mean, listen, it's not that you're gonna be best friends with every person at Bell Show, but what I'm saying is, get connected. Get involved and move in the direction with who you're imitating <laughs> as, um, as Jesus wants you to go, right? That's, that's the beauty of what we do here at Bell Shoals. We're all in this together, amen? We're all in it together. None of us have arrived yet, amen, right? None of us have arrived yet, but one thing we do, forgetting what is behind, we press forward toward the heavenly prize because our citizenship is in heaven and we await the return of our Savior. Until he comes, we're gonna be busy doing the things that we're gonna be doing after he returns.